We now return to Beyond Synth. Hey there, welcome to episode 7 of Beyond Synth. I'm Andy Last, Uh, this is episode 7, lucky 7, or unlucky 7, because this episode almost didn't happen for several reasons, which I'll get into in a second. Uh, As you might guess, uh, organizing, recording, curating songs, editing a one-hour conversation once a week is a lengthy process, and I'm literally finishing the editing on this one hours before it needs to be posted, which is not where I usually like to be, which means next week might be a hiatus episode, which it, (laughs) I guess, hiatus episodes aren't referred to as episodes, they're just hiatuses, Um, or possibly a special episode, which I'll talk about uh, later. So I'm just warning you right now that some weeks there might not be episodes, but I'm going to try as hard as I can to have something, some kind of content on a weekly basis to maintain some sort of continuity. So if the workload gets a little bit too great, I will still find something to post. And I've got some fun ideas uh, of things to do. And just a note to all the uh, producers and uh, artists that I've been in contact with for the past couple months, um, I know I've had some ongoing communications with a lot of you uh, for a very long time, and uh, the truth is it just takes a long time to produce the show, and I haven't forgotten about any of you. You know, Beyond Synth is not about just trying to reach out to the, you know, the, the big people on the scene. It's about talking to everybody that makes this scene so awesome. So as I say, like any artist or producer in this scene who's making cool music, man, will be on this show. That's a that's the Andy Last guarantee. Mamma mia! And now, before we get to the uh, the main episode, I thought I would just uh, check in with uh, Mike Mendoza, who just threw together a vocal compilation, which is really cool, and got a lot of really great artists on there to uh, share their talent. And well, we'll just let him explain it. Here's Mike Mendoza. All right, hey there. I'm uh, talking to Hoo-Ha, a.k.a. Mike Mendoza, because you just released last week a uh, vocal compilation with a bunch of uh, really cool artists and a bunch of really great songs. So tell me about it. It's a very cool compilation. Um, It's strictly promo. It's got a lot of vocal-oriented tracks because what I'm doing with it is to highlight the vocal tracks as they're more poppy and playable in the dance clubs. So I can play them in dance clubs. You sound like you're reading it from a sheet. <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I talk when I've got lots of energy in me. Yeah. Is, is your agent prepared a script for you today? <laughs> He's actually nodding and shaking his head no for yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My agent's really confused. He's very confused. <laughs> What's the compilation called? It's called Vox Populi. The voice of the people. <laughs> So when did you when did you start uh, putting it together? I started putting this together May, April, May, I guess. Oh, okay. Because I was like, there's a lot of really good tracks out there, and a lot of it is instrumental. I'm having a harder time finding the more vocal stuff, mm-hmm. which is what I'm inclined to. So I was like, screw this. I'm going to try to make it so that other people have a central location to find these tracks. Right. And so that's what Retro Promenade sort of is. It'll use pop tracks to get more outside fans, even though we'll still highlight very, very good instrumentals. This particular compilation, the Vox Populi, it's like a free download? Free download. Some of the songs at the artist's request are MP3 quality, so you can't have the highest quality as it is for sale on their page. Right, but right, But you can right. listen to the songs still. What are some of the tracks on the on the comp? We've got ridiculous tracks like Blushes Just Wait. That song is all over the blogosphere just i'm jealous of how much attention they're getting honestly but they play live shows so you know it's all deserved and they're having they have a new ep coming out um sunglasses kid is on there his ep just came out and he is making the boku dollars and panties drop with all that ridiculous attention he's getting seriously (laughs) it's a good album yeah yeah yeah, that one's great so (laughs) i think i sounded dismissive there i really do believe that yeah, 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 it's good, whatever, uh, move, <laughs> move along, move along. 
so yeah so do you have any like other things sort of planned yeah we're going to be putting articles on the website retro ish articles film tv games art whatever's retro whatever's cool whoever wants to write for it hop on tell me what you want to write let's write let's come up with some shit but right now the focus is on making these music showcase videos i'll be hosting the show like a news magazine show and previewing about 90 seconds to like um two minutes of really great music over b-roll that way we can you know make a little ad revenue <laughs> but no seriously all the ad <laughs> revenue that i'm gonna make from it is going to back into advertising so like i can spend five or ten dollars on promoted posts to get more fans for events and all sorts of releases that we have coming up okay well, that sounds cool all right dude well uh do you got any sort of uh, parting thoughts on this incredible update with hoo-ha yeah how about a call to action for um producers and artists and stuff we're gonna be putting out themed releases um october we're gonna release scarface all songs like she's on fire it's gonna be fun just for no reason just to like try something else november is gonna be new jack swing december is gonna be christmas songs and that's gonna be outstanding (laughs) (laughs) i'm just so excited for christmas time so yeah that sounds interesting join Join the fun. Yeah, so everybody who's listening should go grab the compilation Vox Populi, which is uh, really great, and also look forward to awesome things. And if you guys are producers and artists listening, bam, get on the Retro Promenade train, because it's going downtown. (laughs) Uh, You can hear my smiling in that. I'm going to listen to it later. Listen to what? Listen to how much I'm smiling when I'm saying that. You can hear that when people talk. You can hear if they're smiling or not. But I, I put on a big act because actually even all those times where I like break out laughing in the podcast, I'm really frowning. <laughs> Anyways, dude, it was good talking to you. It's good talking to you. I love the show. <laughs> dot com. Andylast.com. All right, man. Well, you have, uh, you have a good day and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you when uh, the next big uh, thing comes out. I like doing these little catch-ups. I like catch-ups. Yeah. I like ketchup. Me too, buddy. I like fries. A lot. As a delivery device for ketchup. I'm there, man. I pour it all over the burgers, too. I'm a big fan of burgers. You are a big burger fan. All right. Well, I got to go, man. (laughs) All right, dude. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. That was Mike Mendoza, a.k.a. Hoo-ha. So check out that compilation. Now, on to today's episode with Grooveworthy, a.k.a. John Muscle. Now, this episode almost didn't happen because we had a lot of technical problems. And I decided not to re-record this episode and present it to you as it was. A lot of the times when I have these conversations with artists, they're the, the first time I'm actually meeting them. And some part of me just felt like it would feel false to record with John again and ask him the same questions again. And it would almost feel like we were going through the motions instead of, you know, actually having a a genuine conversation. So with that said, that does mean that there are some audio issues. Um, I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but we'll just say that the microphone that was meant to be recording John's voice was not, and so I'm using a lower quality sort of uh, Skype version that also had a lot of interference because we were not paying attention to that microphone. So occasionally you'll hear, you know, like swishes and clicks and sounds like that while uh, John is talking. But I think we still had a fun talk and there's a lot of funny stuff in here. And uh, we had a good time, so I hope you enjoy the episode. So here is Grooveworthy. I'm here today with uh, Grooveworthy, a.k.a. John Muscle. How's it going? Good, good, good. So you live out in Alberta. Yep. Are you there for the the oil? Well, I've lived here my whole life. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, there is a there's a lot of money here. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the last job I had, I was basically on call for twelve out of every fourteen days, mm-hmm. which basically means I got every other weekend where I could just tell my boss to go fuck himself if he called me. <laughs> And then other than that, it was like working on a half hour's notice. So it was like 6.30 in the morning and I got a call. Hey, do you want to come to work? Okay, for one, can you be at the shop in half an hour? Well, that's nice though. So so your last gig was uh, in a shop? No, it was like, you got to get to the shop so that we can go to the trucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
you've made some tunes, but you also do like art stuff too, right? Yeah, I've actually been a, a visual artist way longer than I've been doing music. Like I've been drawing since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty accessible hobby. I've been given school supplies my entire life. Yeah, Music has been taking up most of my time, but in getting it back into visual art a little bit more, doing things like albums and whatnot and concept work for concept albums and stuff like that. What are all the ones that you've done? Because I saw the Jet and Danger cover, which I really like. That was like my first like really big hand done piece for music purposes. Mm -hmm. That took me a long time. It was uh it's all done in marker. It's a pretty awesome piece. It's like it's very reminiscent of like eighties cartoons like yeah. Transformers and Mask and shit like that. That's kinda what I was going for with the one. And the idea behind it, it it was a collaborative effort between me and uh Dimebag Dante, aka Vestron Vulture, aka Neon Jaguar. <laughs> AKA, he's got a couple of their aliases. Mm. We had a, a collaborative effort. We just made one song for a single. It turned out really awesome. And we kind of had this whole thing where we had these like personas going and like I was Jet and he was Danger. And it was really fun. And then the art piece was a lot of fun to work on too. It was a lot of effort. I don't think I'd like do that kind of thing for anyone else for free yeah. because it's a lot of work and there's actually quite a bit of investment in my part how big how big is the actual piece i'd say 13 by 13 inches not too much bigger than an actual record sleeve would be bringing this up with a lot of the interviews I'm doing with people, but I guess it'll end here because you're the one who has kind of started that whole Miami dream drive thing, right? I guess you could say that I did. Yeah. Cause everyone always seems to point back to like when I, when I talk about it and it's like, well, you know, John started this, this thread or whatever. And then like everybody hopped on and got really like excited about it. Yeah. Miami night dream drive, whatever the fuck was, um, <laughs> it was this, uh, I, I just, made this stupid picture because i mean there's so much of this stuff going around it's like pink blue color schemes triangles ferraris chrome text sunsets miami like just all this stuff that gets keep thrown around and just keeps like recycled yeah 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 so i just whipped up this really shitty ms paint picture and i'm like hey check it out this is the cover for my new single. What do you guys think? Like sneak peek, being all serious. And everyone just got on board. They're like, this is the fucking best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I, I got a really awesome reaction from it. I mean, I thought it was going to get like a couple likes or something, but you know, whatever. I got a really hilarious reaction from it. Eventually, I'm just like, this isn't just my new single. This is a compilation. You guys want to be on it. Mm -hmm. And I posted uh, my track, <laughs> Cop City Killer Race or something stupid. <laughs> I posted my first track and I just told everybody to make one. The first guys to get on were Jake Freeman and uh, Mike Mendoza and a couple other guys. Like It just kept getting bigger. So from the time I posted the picture mm -hmm. to the time that the first volume was posted, I think it was like 10 hours or something. Like, <laughs> That was like that was my day was just like being online the whole time, just like browsing synthetics and laughing at what people were posting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I posted the album and it's actually I'm kind of afraid that it's going to be the most successful release that I'll ever post because it actually <laughs> did really well. I got on the front page of the 80s tag scene on Bandcamp. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, 
I got on the front page for Edmonton. It was ridiculous. Oh, that's hilarious. Jake had a good quote about it when I talked to him. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, listen, if you're not going to make fun of yourself, someone else is going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much like the, the sentiment because, I mean, it is hilarious. Every time I bring it up, there's always this fear that someone's going to take it the wrong way or just like, yeah, like we're just making fun of, of all the stuff. But it, it's like there are a lot of tropes of the scene that sort of do get reused. And it's not that they're bad necessarily. No, not at all. If it's a theme that everybody's running with, like eventually there has to be parody. Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind of what happened. Like this is the first like, big satire thing. But I just posted a picture. Mm-hmm. And then like after a couple hours, it was like completely out of my hands and I don't really take credit for it because I might've got the ball rolling, but they just took it out of my hands and just, we just basically destroyed the whole synthetics forum and tore it down for like two days because then day two was volume two. (laughs) That was hilarious because we got, we actually got Miami nights, 1984 on the album. So technically I'm on the same release as Miami nights, 1984, which I think is pretty cool. (laughs) His track was hilarious. It's nothing but like Tom drums and car sounds. It's fantastic. (laughs) It is fucking funny as hell. Like when I first saw that thing and I saw the stupid cover art, it's so funny. I know I'm going to sound like I'm repeating myself because I bring this up with everybody I talk to when we talk about it, but it is hilarious. (laughs) Like that's, I can just look at that picture and laugh. Yeah, the Steve Perry does it for me every time. (laughs) It's amazing. And the uh, the fake band names are amazing too. Yeah, everyone's making fun of their own like persona, which I thought was awesome that they did that. So when did you start like fucking around with the the music then? Well, let's see. I guess you could say I first started fucking around with music uh, (laughs) back in 2009. And that is all I was doing. Like my buddy is just like, hey, you should download FL Studio. Like probably going to be fun. I spent three years not really doing anything specific and then got into Kavinsky chromio and stuff like that and then i got really into synthwave in 2010 and then in 2011 i'm like i could do this mm-hmm. i should do this and then i started doing it yeah now it's a year and a half later or so and i guess i'm kind of involved in this little music community and it's it's a lot of fun to have sort of a sense of humor yeah i'm hoping or else i'm going to come across as an asshole because <laughs> like uh, there is a couple tracks that do make me laugh uh when i listen to them and liquor sex money is one of them oh yeah liquor sex money at a club like what's it all about liquor sex and money that's that's what it's about here we go oh i'm trying to figure out a way to properly word this (laughs) i've been awake since fucking six in the morning oh wow so that's like eight hours already for you yeah it's crazy like i've I've been trying to uh work more efficiently so i went to bed early and i woke up at six and the reason why I'm saying that now is, yeah, because I've been awake for a long time, so <laughs> my brain is going, like, in and out. Of, um, 
how do you distinguish between because like you haven't done a band camp release so you haven't really had different albums but you did like change your logo art at one point yeah so like the first thing was sort of like groove worthy with the grid and then it became like this skull yeah what was the division where it was like i'm the skull groove worthy now that was just like the first art with the grid and the text that was like an hour in photoshop that was just like so i have something mm-hmm. and then i realized it's just like oh wow laser grids and pink to blue color scheme with chrome text that's original <laughs> and so i i guess i went with something a little edgier and a little different and i i like that skull it's a it's actually really interesting if you look at it it's got two rows of teeth mm-hmm. and that is because it is the skull of a six-year-old girl where did that come from that image i think i found it on like some science website and i saved it just because it looks so freaking terrifying yeah. <laughs> And then I just edited the hell out of it and made an album cover out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily the best representation of what I'm doing, but I like the image, so it stays. You just came back from like a big trip, didn't you? Yeah, I spent a month traveling around in Thailand. How was that? It was okay. No, it was awesome, actually. It was was fine. (laughs) Yeah, it it was really cool. It was a really good experience. It's really cheap to go there. So if you're smart, you can live on like $10 a day kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could get a bungalow that was overlooking the ocean with a bed, like a queen size bed and like a hot shower, which is a commodity there and a flush toilet, which is also a commodity there Mm -hmm. and like a hammock and everything for like $7 a night. It was, it was unreal. (laughs) And a hammock. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta have a hammock. What else are you going to sit in when you're like sipping your rum filled coconut shake? I've been to Thailand, but it's been so long. I used to do a lot of sort of world traveling when I was younger. Okay. Uh, my dad was a geography teacher, and we'd like go all over the world. So, But I did a Southeast Asia trip, but now that I think about it, it was like 17 years ago. Wow. Did you do this with your family? or? I did that one. It was just my dad and I, and uh, my dad's like a big kind of like backpacker kind of dude. So we would always stay in like youth hostels and awesome cheap accommodation and see you know like the real thing but I, uh yeah i remember thailand was a was a crazy place i really liked it but i remembered how fucking hot it was and then now that's just the weather that we get here in the summertime what time did you go it would have been C- canadian winter time oh, okay so they're cool season yeah <laughs> so like it only gets up to like plus 30 rather than plus 40 yeah because it was nuts i just remember going to bangkok and they had like just like all these lanes of traffic in the middle of the city. And I remember... Oh man, fuck Bangkok. That city is fucking crazy. Yeah. It's weird when you're young, the things you pick up on, because I imagine you would have picked up on something sort of very different because I was I was still in public school. So I just have these weird sense memories. You know, there's certain like smells that bring me back to Bangkok. Oh God, yeah. Like if you ever like are walking by someone who's just like deep frying a pile of shit. That's like, <laughs> oh man, Bangkok, okay. Right that and that drink Fanta. <laughs> I always remember the drink Fanta. Like there's those dudes who just like make the noodles at the side of the road instead of hot dog stands. And there would always be like several colors of like Fanta up on the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if Fanta's still big over there. <laughs> yeah, Fanta's still a thing. I think the one thing that surprised me was I was surprised at how big Angry Birds was over there. <laughs> it's absolutely everywhere. People will just paint like Angry Birds on the side of their store because they like them or something like that. Like it's just absolutely like anything you can think of that's a product has been made into something that has Angry Birds plastered on it. I wonder if there's some Angry Birds Fanta. I would not be surprised. Like I always wanted to have burgers. Like burgers are my favorite food. Even when I traveled when I was younger, I never had that sort of thing where like, well, you should sample the local dishes and stuff like my dad was trying to show me. And I'm like, let's get burgers. And Oh, really? So I just, uh, I got sick a lot on that trip because you shouldn't eat burgers in a place where burgers isn't the thing that they like to do. No, no. <laughs> is the lesson I learned. I had a couple awesome burgers. Like I had a wild boar burger in Thailand. That kicked ass actually. And it cost me like $5. Oh, nice, nice. I mean, if that's something that they do, like if you go to a restaurant where that's one of the things they do, but there's always those ones to try and appeal to a Western audience and be like, oh, we also make burgers. And then you get it and you're like, what the fuck? This isn't mayo. Yeah. <laughs> 
and this isn't a burger. Oh my god, I'm pretty sure I ate a cat at one point. <laughs> 80% positive that that was cat. The burger was still meowing when they handed it to you? <laughs> oh, God, no. It wasn't even a burger. Like, we were just driving. <laughs> it was just a cat head. They just said <laughs> Through, like... <laughs> we were driving through, like, this remote village outside of this national park, and I was feeling kind of peckish. So we stop at, like, this family. They're doing barbecue, selling it to passerbys, and mm. I get some, and it's, like, 67 cents or something yeah for this meat on a stick and it's like all bone and i'm like picking it out and there's like this cat-sized spine and oh no like, oh no oh no <laughs> and, uh, like, i'm trying to tell myself like no this is chicken but like there's there's no way it's chicken have that little meat on it i'm like 80 percent sure i just ate someone's cat i felt pretty bad after <laughs> I, I just like got part of the way through it and then just like threw it to the local dogs did it uh did it taste okay yeah actually it tasted really good <laughs> That's the bad part. johnny cage wins I was young, so I, the thing that excited me most was to go to that temple where they filmed Mortal Kombat. Oh, sweet. Because <laughs> there's, that, there's that area right at the, from the start of Mortal Kombat where like Shang Tsung takes Liu Kang's brother's soul. There's like those two kind of temple things, and so that was, that was my favorite bit. I think that was Thailand. Yeah, that was Thailand. Wow. I get them all confused because like I did it all like we were crossing the borders and we went to Singapore and Macau and Hong Kong and all these places and Malaysia... So uh, sometimes some of the memories kind of blur together for me. I wanted to go to Malaysia too, because that's where uh, Stellar Dreams, that's where they live. You could have showed up in their music video. I could have. That would have been sweet. Yeah, <laughs> just like a groove-worthy cameo out of nowhere. Do you have any connection to uh, LARPing? Yeah, I'm de definitely into that. I'm not so secretly like a gigantic nerd. <laughs> that's something i'm going to be doing here in early october is live action role playing which i'm really looking forward to actually it's basically like dungeons and dragons crossed with camping which are like <laughs> two of my favorite things so. <laughs> and costumes i love costumes do you already have it picked out like what kind of thing you're gonna be i'm gonna be like this tribal barbarian type monk dude who's basically like his village's like death speaker kind of shaman guy yeah i've got like all i've got the whole costume and stuff and i've got like a drawer full of furs and leathers that i'm gonna turn into armors and stuff like that yeah 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 so what's the deal with that though like is this people that you're friends with or is this like something that's being set up that you've joined well it's kind of both uh one of my friends turned me on to it Every month, they have a big game where they go out for the weekend. You're staying in character. You're playing this person. You're playing this other person for a whole weekend. Like, you sleep in character. You eat in character. And, like, you sleep in your armor because things can come out in the night and try and kill you. Like, that's, that's like, the atmosphere. Can you die? Yeah, like, how it works is you kind of have, like, multiple lives. Like, you can get resurrected, but after a certain number... The more times you die, the lower chances you have actually coming back. Who keeps track of it? Like, is there some dude that sort of follows things around and goes like, yep, she died. There's a whole team. Like, this is like, there's like 60 people out that do these things. And there's like a whole team of probably like a dozen people who are kind of acting as refs, guiding the story along between like all the plot people, like the staff, you could call them and the the actual player characters and then they have like another 20 or so people that are non-player characters that will just like play all the monsters or random stupid villager or whatever like the mayor or something so how does the story work like does some guy just run out from the bushes and just be like he tried to bone your sister like and run away or no no like the the characters basically make everything happen they have pretty much total control over the events and storyline and all of the like, actions that take place are basically made by the player's decision. Yeah, I've always been curious about it because uh, I didn't know how they could sort of maintain the structure. Like I understand in a game of D&D &D when you're just like sitting at a table, but the idea of, of keeping some sort of story structure in place when there's just people intense sleeping, you know what I mean? Like it seems like it would be tricky. That's why you have like 12 people doing it yeah. to kind of keep track of everything. And then... 
they kind of compile everything that's happened and they're ready to go again for next month where they left off. But uh, yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> Superb. I'm wondering then, because you do have a fair number of tracks. Yeah, I've got a lot. But you've only used your Bandcamp account for the Miami Dream Drive. I guess the story behind that is I feel like I'm still, as an artist, I'm still, like, if I were to release something now, two years from now, I'd go and look at that release. I'd be like, oh, my God, what the hell was I thinking doing that? Like, putting that out. That's the way I feel right now. Like, I feel like I've still got a lot of progress to make. Mm -hmm. Like, it's coming soon. It's coming soon, but uh, the old stuff that I have, I don't know if I'd actually release that because that was like all of my first stuff. And now I think I'm actually going getting to the stage where I'm just going to start putting stuff out on Bandcamp for sale or for download. But you do have some tracks on some compilations. I've got, I think, three compilations out, not including my own. Right. There's the two uh, new Retrowave compilations. Those are really good for me, actually. Synth City, that's a great compilation as well. So the one on New Retrowave, that's the Panther Force one, right? Yeah, that's like, if I had a hit, that would be it. Mm -hmm. It's got an outstanding number of plays on my SoundCloud account. And it's the only one where the downloads have actually been maxed out. And it's got some, like, 14,000 plays on YouTube through New, New Retrowave. Well, it's a cool song. That was one of my earlier songs, actually, and I think I did pretty well with it. that you've only seen some pretty significant movies recently so i was wondering how you feel about them because i think did you did you see like scarface and robocop just recently i probably only watched scarface like a couple months ago that's crazy man i know i know geez like i'm, I'm still getting caught up mm -hmm. though i really do enjoy movies it's just not something i go out of my way to do but i have to like sit down and be like, I don't think I can actually live another second without seeing Scarface and still like have a self-esteem. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now I've seen Scarface. Now I can call myself a man. Yeah. It was killer. I, I loved it. It was one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. I love discovering new things for the first time. Like the, the scene in Scarface where they're doing that first job and it gets completely botched and he's just like, oh, What's this guy got in the suitcase? Oh, holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. It's a fucking shit. Oh, my God. Like, that that was such an awesome moment for me. It just escalated so fast. We just went from, like, chill out, I got this, to holy shit, blood splattered curtains, and my buddy's getting chopped up in the shower. Like, that's crazy. It must be slightly different going into these things when you have, like, all these sort of expectations. When I first saw Scarface, I didn't know what it was. That sense of discovery where you're like, holy shit. Like, because even now, it's so hard to get away from the... I mean, it's in it's in the popular culture, right? Like, you already know, say hello to my little friend with him holding the gun. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd already heard so many quotes and stuff like this and seen so many pictures. I kind of had a pretty good idea of what I was getting into. Yeah, which is why that, that ending scene to me was always so awesome because I didn't know what the movie was. So I had no idea tonally 
that this movie was going to end with like one of the most over the top ridiculous like action scenes like it just because even like when you're watching the film you don't know that it's going there yeah but like with all the posters of him holding that gun saying say hello to my little friend like i feel like it would spoil it just a bit because you know at some point he's going to have a giant machine gun for some reason yeah when i was watching it, i almost kind of forgot about that mm-hmm. and when it actually happened i was just like okay now we're going from like you know, crime drama to, like, full-on action movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, RoboCop, I just watched that a few days ago because, like, again, like, I had plans to go out, but I had to push them back, mm-hmm. and it was great. I'm glad my friends actually understood that, like, dude, where are you? I'm like, I'm watching RoboCop for the first time. I'm like, oh, well, well, then watch away. Yeah, like, how come you haven't seen it yet? Mm-hmm. That at least they were supportive about it. I would do the same thing. If someone was like, oh, I can't come out. I'm like, why? I'm watching Scarface or whatever. I've never seen it. I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, you sit down and you watch the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did that. And RoboCop was really impressive, actually. I can't think of anything I didn't like about it. It, it, was, it was pretty much bang on what I want out of a movie about a guy who's a cop that's a robot as well. (laughs) It delivered pretty much exactly what I wanted to see. There's something I've always loved about those, like those early 80s, um, the effects. It's the same with like Terminator, like when I watched the first Terminator film. Yeah. Once Arnold becomes like the full-on endoskeleton, and he's like kind of stop frame animated, like as he's walking. Oh, I love that. And it's the same with like Ed 209 and Robocop, like whenever the big robot's mm-hmm. around. It just looks so awesome. Like I fucking love it. Yeah, I love that like stop animation stuff. Have you seen Manborg? Because Manborg, they do a lot of that kind of thing and it looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those dudes, that team, although I don't know if they're a team anymore, the Astron 6 guys. Yeah, Astron 6. They've nailed it, the look. They definitely are in this, I mean, they're not like within this scene, like the music scene, but it's definitely like the same movement of bringing back that 80s. I mean, up until them, I did not see anyone do the 80s VHS gag with like, you know, like the fuzzy shit at the bottom and like the tracking and that kind of stuff. And the warm, fuzzy audio and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. One of my favorite things in the world is their short Laser Ghosts. Oh, fucking Laser Ghosts! Buddy, I only saw that. I'm going to say maybe four or five months ago, my buddy came over. He's like, oh, you got to see this laser ghost. And that that thing, regardless of how cheap it looks, because, I mean, I think they uploaded it to the web back when YouTube looked like shit. Yeah, yeah. The writing in that fucking short is so funny. It's so funny. It's like nine minutes long, and it's all good. We've got to go back to Laser Cove. Yeah. The <laughs> trance. We never left Laser Cove. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. Like, I know. you don't believe in ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts. Not even laser ghosts. <laughs> See you laser. Yeah. No, no. And then they do like the thumbs up fist bump. Yeah. Oh my God. I just yeah. like it at the end when they're just clearly wearing Ghostbuster costumes. <laughs> yeah. Those dudes are definitely uh, super talented. And Manborg is like a really good, it's it, it's awesome actually. <laughs> With those kind of older films, like, there is this sort of charm, I find, to the effects. Oh, definitely. Even when they started going digital, like, even Terminator 2, they've got the CGI, but there's still so much, like, practical shit going on in that film. Yeah. Actually, I think Terminator 2 has some really good effects, and despite the age of the film, I think it's actually aged quite well. Like, what they did with the T-1000... Mm-hmm. still looks pretty badass. I saw that film when I was in grade five, so I actually saw it, I think, in the drive-in. I loved the T-1000 so much. Like, that's what I would play in the schoolyard <laughs> when I was, you know, 11 or whatever. Like, that's we'd play Terminator and I'd be T-1000. And to this day, I still run like the T-1000. <laughs> With knife hands? Yeah, like, whenever I start running, I literally do this thing where I start to kind of walk slowly it's like mimicking the way that he transitioned from CGI to Robert Patrick because there was that there's a switch that happens. So when he walks out of the fire, he kind of does this sort of certain kind of walk because he's computer animated. And so to this day, I still do that. Like it's part of my run <laughs> where I gear up to run and I kind of slow walk with my head kind of tilted to the side. And then like I start moving my arms a bit faster and then I do like a full on run. 
And I'm a fucking adult. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> when I was young, I used to love uh, watching movies in slow motion just to see how they did everything. Mm. I always loved catching just all the practical stuff in Terminator 2. Like there are scenes, you know, where he's like tossing T-1000 around and he's all silver, but it's not CGI. It's like a dude covered in like tinfoil. Oh, sweet. They really only have the CGI and like the scenes where it was absolutely necessary, you know, not like movies now where it's just everything. When it was only like right in your face and you needed it. Exactly. The, the thing about 80s movies and the, all the practical effects is because all that shit is real. Like that actually happened. They're, they didn't superimpose it. Like those explosions are real explosions. That's why I, like it looks so good because they don't have to superimpose lighting or anything like that to make it look yeah. like an actual explosion. That's a goddamn explosion. One of my favorite things about Terminator is the uh, like the time bubble effect i think that's one of the coolest time travel devices mm -hmm. or mechanisms in in film i don't ever pick apart time travel uh in movies or tv shows because if you're going to be one of those people who picks it apart then it everything falls apart like so just go along for the ride yeah but when they introduce a limitation or a rule and then they break it because with Terminator, it's the one thing I never I never gave too much thought to. It's like, yeah, you go naked. And Reese in the first movie says you have to go naked because something to do with the electron field or whatever. And they say, how does the Terminator go back? And well, he's covered with living tissue. So that's how they get away with it. Mm. But I always wondered why they didn't just like bring a whole bunch of guns back just in like a skin sack or something, <laughs> if that's all it took. And then the other problem is I don't understand how the T-1000 got to go back in time because he is pure metal mm. and he doesn't have skin. Well, maybe it's because he's just like a homogenous liquid, so there's nothing that can really go wrong with him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I thought the T-1000 is probably one of the coolest bad guys that I can think of in history. Oh, no, he's the best. I love the T-1000 so much. Robert Patrick is amazing. You kind of associate certain actors with their roles, like especially if they have like that one really iconic one. I know it must be frustrating for actors to you know, be typecast. Yeah. But it must be pretty awesome when, when you're typecast as something amazing. Like, at least you can go down and be like, I was the fucking T-1000. Like, that's got to feel good sometimes. Yeah, or like Bruce Willis as like, go-to badass guy. Yeah. <laughs> and now go-to fucking bored old man that just shows up in movies and just kind of stands there like he's not having any fun. <laughs> Like the Blade Runner Blu-ray was a really awesome set because it just came out with every version. So even though they did a version where they updated the effects, you're not forced to watch that one. That's awesome. Yeah, and so that's, that's the way you should. Exactly. Because what pisses me off about Star Wars is that they don't let you watch the originals. No, you have to find like VHS rips and torrent them mm -hmm. in order to watch that, which is ridiculous. No, it's terrible. Because it sort of like shows a lack of respect to the property. I mean, even though people will be like, oh, it's George Lucas's thing. I'm like, well, fuck him. Like after a while, it gets to a point where you have to understand that you're fucking with people's childhoods here. Yeah. Also, too, the Blade Runner set was good because they didn't really fuck around with anything on the scale that they did with Star Wars. They just corrected flaws in the old film, like CGI in and replaced the stunt woman's head so she looked more like the, the actress she was replacing or... There was always that scene at the end of Blade Runner where Rudger Hauer throws the bird in the air. Yeah. It takes place at night, but the bird shot has like a daytime sky. And so they just went back in and made it nighttime so that it blends in with the shot better. Like they just did things like that. Yeah. It's not bullshit like having fucking Harrison Ford walk around a really shitty looking CGI Jabba the Hutt and step on his tail. Like there's none of that fucking shit in the Blade Runner one. And yeah, and especially like making the original film like completely inaccessible. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty dick move. <laughs> I love this. We t we talked about music for about uh, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I suppose we could probably get back on that. We can tie it all together, intelligent people. What is uh, What is XLR eight one? That is the first track that I ever made. That was my very first attempt at synthwave. Even though it's not great, I just kind of keep it up on SoundCloud just because that is the very first thing that I did that I would call retro synth stuff.
Yeah, I like the sound of that one. I'm always a sucker for like cool arbogated uh, bass lines. This might seem like a lame segue, but is there anything you wanted to talk about specifically? I don't know how secret it is right now, but uh, right now I've got in the works sort of a concept EP. It's going to be between me and Mike. We might get some other people on board. The concept is really fun. Like we've been reading articles on these like crazy websites about things like crystal pyramids have been found in the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle and they're possible like Atlantean energy storehouses or portals to another world and stuff like this. <laughs> like all these websites that are presenting this stuff as fact. Right, right. What was the best one? Um. Oh yeah, it was utterly amazing. It was a volcanoes are actual portals to the inner earth dimension where dragon people live <laughs> the dragon people use the um the, the volcanoes actually as like energy balancers this is going to be a synth wave thing what is this yeah like i've got a track right now i've got a preview posted called uh obelisk of power like where we finally discovered how to like unlock the mysteries of the crystal pyramids and get to the obelisk of power and then like something wicked happens like there's a story <laughs> when do when do you want to release that one that's, that's probably a few months away probably towards the end of the year depending on how effective me and mike feel like being over the next couple of months yeah 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 that's gonna be really fun oh, that's cool man it's a funny idea <laughs> it's just really fun to research this stuff because i i personally get a really big kick out of it yeah there's a lot of ridiculous shit on the internet <laughs> yeah that's that's the point that we can draw from this yeah. <laughs> It just sounds so awesome. <laughs> it does. Volcano dragon uh, people. Like, it's, it's fucking working. <laughs> yeah, I think I do need to title a track that at some point. So. <laughs> and, you're gonna, and you said you're going to do the, like, the art for it as well? I might try and go do digital again because I used to do that, but I've been out of it for a long time. But there is something about the real look. Yeah. Like, when I look at, like, your Jet in Danger one, it conjures that sort of 80s cartoon stuff, but it, it looks, like, legitimate. Whereas I know like when people try and do it digitally, they've got to like fuck around with the image and add like fake grain and, and you know, like grunge effects to it. They have to they have to synthesize that. But yeah, I think that's one thing. And I might want to try and do it for this reason is because in the scene, there's very, very little handmade artwork and there's a little bit of photography and stuff like that. But it's like 90 percent digital images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of handmade artwork might be like a good thing. Yeah, for sure. But it's so labor intensive. That's the only thing. Well, I guess all art is, but... I mean, if you got the time... Yeah, I can't really complain. Oh, only handmade art is labor intensive. Photoshop, you can whip up an amazing image in like 30 minutes. Well, you can if you're really smart, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure all the things that Dynatron and George Gold are doing is time consuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of respect for those guys. Or Dwayne Diebolt, too. That guy puts out some really killer artwork. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good designs out there. It's it's pretty sweet. That's one thing I also really like about this scene is the art style, the visual style. Because it is it is actually quite important, I think. You can hear a track and you can kind of make any meaning up for it. But then if you see like a certain title and a certain artwork for it, then it completely changes your perception of the track. Mm -hmm. One of the best examples of that and probably one of my favorite track titles of like this entire year so far is... Uh, vincenzo's milfs yeah you heard that song <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's a great kind of disco track but if it wasn't called milfs it could be about anything but that's just such an awesome thing to think about did you do like a kind of a mix of that song or something yeah i mixed my own song poolside sex with milfs in a kind of a mashup and i came up with sexy poolside milfs yeah. <laughs> and it actually kind of works so i posted it
So I was looking at your thing, and I'm like, this is a funny track title. And I listened to it, and there's part of me, I'm like, I know some of the hook from this song, but it wasn't like a direct remix. It was like, I, I heard a bit of the MILFs one, and then I heard a bit of your track. And then uh, and I guess I just I just explained what a mashup is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, uh, I mean, we can probably wrap this thing up. I'm wondering uh, if there's any plans for a Miami Dream Drive Volume 3. I think... You don't plan for magic, right? Is that the idea? Miami Dream Night, Drive Night, whatever... Um, the title is actually different in, in, in both compilations because yeah. <laughs> I didn't care to check which was the correct one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's not dead. It will never die. I just think when, when the world is ready, we will be back and we're going to make more shitty music and make fun <laughs> of things. I actually like ran out of downloads on the first volume at one point. It was crazy. I was actually surprised that people were not just like visiting the page and laughing. They're actually downloading the compilation like okay like i get like it's funny like when you hear it a couple times but you like oh i'm gonna like download this and then like put it on my freaking phone so i can listen to it on the go like <laughs> I, I i don't actually i actually don't understand that because it's like it's funny but it's it's still shit <laughs> that's an amazing quote to end on <laughs> but yeah man it was it was good talking to you yeah all right, uh, I guess we're wrapping it up here. You like that? You like? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna make this outro really awkward. I'm terrible at both intros and outros. That's the that's the moment where like my brain shuts down and it's just like, uh, so, uh, so bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, just give me a good um, like it was a good talking to you kind of thing, and then I'll just paste it in at the end. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it's been a it's been a real treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I told you, it's gonna make this awkward for you. I'm just gonna put this all in, but it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Stay cool, Jaw Rule. <laughs> okay, that was Grooveworthy, aka John Muscle, and we had a fun talk. And since we spoke, actually, there has been a third release a third volume to the Miami Dream Drive set of compilations. So check it out. It is ridiculous, and a lot of uh, a lot of artists. Uh, Made some pretty fun songs there, so it's a, it's a lot of fun. And that's all for me, so thank you guys all for listening, and I hope you tune in to the next one. All right, take care.